0: Hello
1: everyone, thank you once again for joining us for this latest episode of INC Radio, the only podcast in the world that sounds better in Polish. My name's Karl Birmage, and I am joined as ever by Mr Uncle Joey himself, Clay Richardson, all the way from Canada. C- Claire, thank you very much once again.
0: Glad to be here, glad to talk to you whenever I can. Always fun to have a nice informative view.
1: Certainly so. It is actually a bit of a relief that we actually managed to get this one recorded because we've been having a lot of issues in the UK. If you've actually been reading the news recently, we had Storm Kiva followed by Storm Dennis. And I live right on oh, the wow. top of a hill. When you get down into the valleys, it is just pretty much all water. So it's very lucky we actually managed to get this one underway.
0: Okay. Didn't know about that. Did not know about that.
1: Yeah, well, at least it takes our mind off Brexit, so... Think of of it from a positive perspective in that regard.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: We are here though to talk about less controversial matters, including the world of mixed martial arts. As ever, it has been a dramatic seven days in the sport, including the most recent UFC fight night in Rio Rancho. We'll be talking about that in a little bit more detail. Before we get there though, we're going to be touching on some of the stories and big talking points which have been happening throughout the world of MMA. And we're going to be starting off Going back to a big talking point from our most recent show. Now if you remember that one, it was just in the aftermath of the John Jones-Dominic Reyes fight and that controversial event in Texas. And there was a lot of people thinking, what could we do to improve MMA judging? And a big idea which was put forward by Ariel Helwani, especially, was the idea of introducing live scoring. So fighters know, at the end of a round, who won, who won round one, who won round two... And that may very well change how they approach the fight going into the later rounds. Well, in the past seven days, the Kansas State Athletic Commission have announced that they will be introducing live scoring for their events, including, most interestingly, from a UFC perspective, it will be included on Invictor's next card on March the 6th.
0: Do we know who's headlining that card?
1: I believe that's the I think that might be the Invictor Rising card. I'll have to double check that Ooh. one for you. Uh um, I'd definitely watch that one then if that's true. Well I don't know how effective that's gonna to be to be honest, because well the Invictor cards is just one round anyway, so we know who's won each round regardless. Yeah. But yeah, I'll definitely we'll have, have to, to check see. that one out for you. The most important thing though is It is fantastic that we're actually seeing something being done in terms of MMA judging. I think there was a lot of people out there that thought, "Ah, we had all these sort of controversies with the whole GSP, Johnny Hendricks stuff. Nothing changed that time. It's not going to change this time. So the fact that Kansas, seven days after the event, are thinking, you know what, we're going to actually try this. Just give it a run, see whether or not it works. I think it's very refreshing to see.
0: Yeah, I'm surprised that we're even still talking about it with some actual progress, you know. I thought after a GSP fight with Hendricks, like, I thought something would change. Like, I feel like that was big enough where they would figure out another option, but nothing happened, of course. So I thought nothing was going to happen again, you know. I thought we'd be just talking about the next card. I didn't think we'd even bring this up again. But it's glad to see such a fast response time. After such, I don't want to see like a huge controversy, like it was a close fight, but the other fights on the card, some of them weren't close at all. So, it's glad to see, you know, just some progress, you know. We got some hope. We got an option, you know.
1: I have I have just double checked, it is going to be the uh, Phoenix Rising series. Okay. So, it is going to be interesting to see, and I think Invicta especially doing this, because Invicta is always seen the sort of the feeder promotion for female fighters into the UFC. So it's part of that umbrella. So the UFC might be more inclined to give it a run if it's a success. Give it a run because of the Invicta connection.
0: Yeah, I'm surprised Invicta is the one doing it. I thought if anyone was going to do it, I thought it would be like PFL. Because they're always trying to be, you know, next gen with their their gloves with sensors in it and the smart gauge and all that. I thought they'd be the one to do that, so I'm surprised Invicta's the one doing that.
1: From the reports I heard, I think that Shannon Knapp had been teasing the idea even before uh, UFC 247, oh, okay. because they had quite a controversial title fight recently. I think Jin Yu Fry fought Ashley Cummings, and there was a lot of people that thought that Cummings should have won that fight, but it went to Fry. okay so right. this has reportedly been in the works I don't know how true that is maybe that's just Chan and Nap trying to say look I'm ahead of the curve and look how great <laughs> yeah. and progressive I am that sort of thing but we're just putting words into mouths here so it is good to see and hopefully it does prove to be a success when it comes to oh, success okay. we're always trying to link into this in some sort of convoluted way from something that we hope is a success to a group of fighters which unfortunately hadn't been successes. The UFC have recently announced a group of fighters which they have chosen to release from its roster. Um, over the past seven days, uh, these are the following names which have been released. I'll try and choose a few selected ones for you. Uh, Junior Albini, Hector Aldana, Ben Saunders, who's been with the company for a long time. He's unfortunately got his marching orders. Brandon Davis, Paulo Reyes, Brad Catton a former Ultimate Fight winner, he's gone. Lucia Pudilova, and the guy who featured on UFC 247's main card, juan adams
0: yeah now that i think about it i think the most surprising one is probably brad katona i feel like he had a bit more going for him i feel like they should have given him at least one more fight i'm always one of those people you lose three in a row then we can talk about getting cut i'm not one of those people you know two in a row that's all right people lose twice in a row but three in a row i feel like that's That should be the threshold for where you should start talking about cutting somebody. So, yeah, I feel like they should have given Katona at least one more fight. Juan Adams, I can see why he got cut, you know. He's kind of on a skid. He didn't really have anything to show after Tuesday Night Contender. Like, he didn't really have that huge performance. Like, a lot of people think that Greg Hardy fight should have been a lot closer than it was. Like, he made a big mistake in that fight. I don't... I don't know what his game plan for that fight was. I think maybe he wanted to try and get him to the ground, but it didn't work, obviously. And, yeah, I could see why they cut him.
1: Quite harsh to do it so soon after his last fight. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, you have people like, just trying to think of it here, like Gina Mazzani, for example. It was like 10 months after her last fight before she got cut. And Adams goes after, Mm -hmm. what, two days?
0: Yeah, I think it was like, literally a a day or two after he tweeted out that his manager told him that he was done probably the quickest cut i've seen
1: i'm fairly certain there's one fighter who actually got cut in the dressing room right after their fight i think it might have been cindy dantwa actually
0: really okay
1: because cindy had that fight with alexis davis and she actually came really close to winning that fight But her striking was so bad,
0: the UFC said... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I know what you're thinking. (laughs) Yeah, I remember that video.
1: It's done the rounds on social media all the time. Honestly, if you get the chance, check out that... I think it's Cindy Dandois can't be touched. It's one of the... Oh, God. I mean, we shouldn't mock fighters. They're a lot braver than I am to actually step foot in a cage. But that was not... It wasn't exactly Cassius Clay, was it?
0: No, definitely not. (laughs)
1: Just going back to the fighters who were cut though a lot of exciting names as well yes there are guys who are on skates and had had bad runs of form but you look at people like brandon davis very exciting fighter polo reyes who had one of the best fights of all time when he fought don young ma lucia Pudilova, very aggressive it's it's that awful middle ground i think where you need to reward success Fighters who are losing all the time aren't worthy of being in the UFC. But if you put all your value in success, you get a generation of John Fitchers who aren't willing to take chances.
0: Mm-hmm. If you look at Davis's record, though, you can sort of see why they cut him. If you look purely on just win or loss, like you can see he's only really had just two wins in actual UFC like he, he won his Tuesday night contender fight but he's only won two fights really every other fight he's lost by a decision or he's got submitted like in the Zabit fight well that's the, his only submission loss I should say
1: i think even taking the Zabit fight was, cuz wasn't that like 10 days notice
0: yeah that was extremely early
1: notice so i would i would give him maybe a little bit of leeway for that i i get the reason why he's cut I think with a lot of people on this list I get the reasons why they were cut but I just think as much as I do reward success I also want to be entertained so I'd rather mm-hmm. see someone like a like a Paul or a Brandon Davis who's charging forward trying to take a fight trying to make something happen
0: Yeah, a good example for a fighter like that who I think he did get cut recently is Kyle Bokniak. Is he still in the UFC or did he get cut?
1: Bokniak was cut.
0: Yeah, see that's a good example of a fighter who's exciting but doesn't really win all his fights. You know,
1: But it will leave opportunities obviously for more fighters to come to the fold and you never know. There's a lot of fighters who leave the UFC and then go on to other promotions and become big successes. I mean, you could argue that like Nick Diaz was more of a mm-hmm. success with Strikeforce than he was in the UFC so
0: Dan Henderson Dan That's Henderson a good one
1: Vanderlei Vanderlei was a failure the first time he came to the UFC and then he became a legend of pride
0: mm-hmm.
1: I mean we're talking like that- 20 years ago now it's scary how long Vanderlei was in the sport
0: yeah, that Vitor knockout, that was, that was a strange fight. Like, Vitor just ran right <laughs> out of it, didn't let him go. Sort of like what Verdum tried to do in his fight with Stipe, except it didn't really work.
1: Am I right in saying that was Vitor fighting at heavyweight as well?
0: Wow, He was okay. like an 19-year-old
1: heavyweight <laughs> on every single kind of supplement going.
0: Yeah, he looked huge.
1: You did mention Fabrizio Verdum there. And it's a good point you did because another story is that he will be returning to action at UFC 250. And quite appropriately, he's taking on the guy who he was supposed to be fighting before his suspension. Alexia Linick So, a battle of big grappling veterans. One of the strong fights on the 250 undercard. Where we're starting to piece together that card. Obviously, it's a Brazil card. We're going to be seeing a lot of veterans in there. And considering there's a lot of question marks surrounding the main event, which is reportedly Cejudo versus Jose Aldo. Mm-hmm. It is good to see that sort of star power on the undercard. And I'm going to be interested to see how well Vadum does as well, because he, he is 43, he's going to be rusty. Normally I would favour him in that fight, but Alinic has been quite active during that time, so I think that's a real pick
0: yeah, Verdu. He's not really. I. He's not washed up or anything. Like he, he's still winning fights. Well, he was winning fights. Like I,
1: I think he was only real... three before the Volkov fight, which was his one. Yeah, last he was one.
0: pretty high ranked. Like he hasn't really dropped in the rankings since he lost the title. So he's always kind of been a top contender there. But we'll have to see. You know, I didn't realize he was forty-two. I didn't realize he was that old. So we'll have to see how he recovers.
1: That's. That's a teenager by heavyweight standards, to be honest. Yeah, he could go there. <laughs> um, over a little uh, nitpicks that I've also got as well. If, is nitpicks the right word? Something like that, whatever. But um, another story is that one championship uh, will be holding its next event on February the 26th. Now, obviously, we've got all the issues that's happening in Asia with the coronavirus. That is going to be the first UFC event which will be taking place behind closed da- doors. So it's broadcast only. There will be no audience for that show.
0: You're talking about one championship? One championship. Okay. That sounds strange. So it'll just be an empty arena?
1: Empty arena. Proper WWE stuff. Empty arena matches.
0: Wow. Okay. We'll have to see how that goes. Yeah, I was going to say, like, not trying to be racist, you know, but is it going to affect them, you know, like the coronavirus down there because they're always in Malaysia and stuff like that? I can't really think of the last time. I don't know if they've been like directly in China. Trying to think, they probably have. They probably have. It's one championship, but normally they're in Manila or around there. Normally in Malaysia around there. So we'll have to see how that empty arena card goes.
1: Well, I know it has affected China to an extent because there was that story that Xiang Wei Li had to relocate her training camp. She's training in Thailand now. Uh, obviously, because of coronavirus, and there was a lot of question marks over whether or not she was going to be able to compete at two forty eight.
0: Mm-hmm. Now there's some bad blood around that fight because pretty sure. Joanna, she like posted like a gas mask meme or something like a radioactive suit meme or something with Zongwei Li on the poster and Zong got pissed she <laughs> She said it takes a weak person to joke about stuff like that So and there's gonna you, be some bad blood going into that fight now
1: and then you want to fold it up She posted a picture of her with some noodles and doing the oh, slanted yeah. eyes
0: Okay, yeah, that's borderline racist. I, I don't know how you could defend that.
1: <laughs> Ioana has a tendency to do that, because I don't think Ioana is necessarily a bad person, but she does yeah. have this habit of taking a trash talk too far.
0: Yeah, she likes that boogie woman persona. She likes to make herself look scary.
1: I think so. And also, as well, from her perspective, it's prize fighting. Her job mm-hmm. is to try and sell a fight more people watch that, more money she's going to be getting so I think that's a really compelling fight I've been yeah, doing and throwing great all fun. people I think is going to win that one mm-hmm. so let's move on to one of the first big major talking points of this show which is the most recent fight night, UFC went to New Mexico to Rio Rancho, now this is the first time that they've ever done a UFC card in Rio Rancho There was a WEC event that took place there around about, I'm tempted to say about 2008, 2009, Uh, but this is the first UFC event there. They were obviously hoping for a big blockbuster show. There were going to be a couple of Jackson Wing fighters there, a couple of notable locals. I hate to say it though, I found the event quite underwhelming.
0: Yeah, it was a really strange event, if you want to say so myself. I feel like I was watching, like, a, a rising card at some point, you know, with all the illegal shit that was going on. Like, that Brock Weaver fight, like, that was brutal. That's something I've seen rising late at night. Like, that was blatantly illegal. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know how you could defend that one. Maybe he just thought he's in a different promotion or something. I heard a, I heard after that fight that a um, another fighter tweeted out that that Rodrigo Vargas guy, he's very dirty in the gym, so... Feels like that was he did that on purpose. So who knows.
1: And considering all the stories about Brock Reaver as while well, that might have played a part in that decision yeah. of his. I mean we did look at the card in a little bit of detail last week and we thought we've got some fighters here who are known for having entertaining matches, we could potentially have our have ourselves a couple of quite juicy matchups, but it just mm-hmm. never seemed to click
0: yeah and it, it, there wasn't really a fight that was just wow like this is incredible you know the dodson fight i thought was great except the referee stoppage was a little bit too early you know he was literally standing up so i feel like that could have went on a little bit longer but yeah there wasn't really that fight like we were banking on that yancy medeiros and vanada fight you know there were
1: moments
0: yeah it was an okay fight it wasn't an an insane fight but you know there just wasn't that fight that just clicked with me other than maybe the main event obviously
1: I'd maybe make an argument for um, Holtzman versus Miller I think that was okay yeah yeah, that was a good one because I always have a soft soft spot as well for Jim Miller I think any of those old school guys who's still going around you always got to sympathize with them to an extent and He's maybe not what he was when he fought like Nick Diaz and he was going to be a number one contender match, but he can still hold his own. He can still hold his own against mid-level talent.
0: Yeah, like he won his last two fights against Guida and Jason Gonzalez. Like, still, he's not like a glass jaw, like, veteran, you know. He's still fighting. He's still got some good technique in him. I just feel like he's going to be here for maybe about probably another year i feel like before something like he might run into a big fight that might hurt him in the future so I we'll could possibly
1: see. see him trying to overtake cowboys record and maybe try to yeah. get that out of reach
0: yeah that'd be a good goal for him
1: C- certainly so now we had had a pretty underwhelming card including the core main, which we'll touch on in a little bit more detail then comes the main event and a lot of people thought with this one it's going to be an easy Cory Anderson win. Corey's arguably got better since the first time that they fought where he was just basically taking Blahovitz down at will. And then of course he was coming off the big Johnny Walker win. Everyone thought Corey Anderson's going to take this one. Easy decision. The fight with John Jones could well be on the card. First round knockout comes in. Big uppercut. And Blachowicz is arguably John Jones' next title challenger.
0: Yeah, I feel like that knockout sort of took Reyes out of the picture, unfortunately. Like, if I was Dominic Reyes and I was watching that fight, I'd be saying, son of a bitch. Like, I'd be pissed (laughs) because I I know John Jones will be standing up and calling for Blascovitz after that fight. So, uh, I feel like it was a great fight, obviously, but in terms of the title picture, I feel like it sort of screws things a little bit.
1: Well, everyone said that the winner of this main event needed to do something dramatic. They needed to make definitely. a statement. Obviously, considering how good Dominic Rias was against John Jones. So you can't fault Jan Blakovic for doing exactly what he needed to do to keep himself yeah, in Yeah, he definitely that
0: did the right thing. Definitely did the right thing.
1: And people forget how good this run of Jan's has been. I mean, we're talking, what, six wins in his past seven fights. And he's gone from being this fairly middle-of-the-road fighter to top five, fighting for the title potentially, so there has been a marked improvement in his performance, considering the guy's what, 36 years old now?
0: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's getting old.
1: He's getting old, but he's performing, it's effective. I I find that in MMA especially, fighters aren't really hitting their primes until maybe they're 33, 34 now, especially in the heavier weight classes. Mm Mm-hmm. The one concern I have, though, is that if I was to look at Corby Anderson and Jan Black and think to myself, who has a better chance of beating John Jones based on their styles, I would have favoured Corby. Because I
0: think... Yeah, if he won this fight, I would have favoured Cory for winning that fight against John Jones. I feel like he could have employed some wrestling. I feel like we could have seen a bit more clinch work, you know?
1: Because I'm trying to think who was the last... Well, obviously DC. Apart from DC... Mm-hmm who pretty much kept it standing. When was the last wrestler that John Jones fought?
0: Hey, Ryan Bader? <laughs> no, I don't know.
1: <laughs> so it's been a long time until that's been tested. Yeah. And John himself doesn't really go for takedowns all that much.
0: Mm-hmm. Except for in the Reyes fight when he sort of went on it instinctively, like he yeah. had to get a takedown. But you're right, he doesn't really employ on it that often.
1: And even then... He
0: likes to employ his boxing most of the time.
1: And even then... Don't bounce straight back up. Mm-hmm. So, you could argue how effective was that? Just getting back to my point though, the issue I have with Yarn is that John has fought these sort of big power punching brawlers plenty of times before. For me, he's no different to say like a Glover, and we saw how John neutralized Glover easily in that fight.
0: Yeah, I feel like. The only real power puncher that would give John a problem would be if he goes up to heavyweight and he, fights his, and he fights somebody like Ngannou. Like That might be a problem. But in terms of light heavyweight, I feel like he's got enough weapons where he can sort of keep the power at bay. Like his head movement and the Reyes fight, Fantastic. impeccable. It looked amazing. I feel like that wouldn't really work in a heavyweight fight because their hands are much bigger, you know? I feel like maybe Francis could cover a bit more ground, but francis's boxing in the stipe fight he also also employed a lot of head movement in that fight but stipe did get tagged a lot in that fight like pretty surprised and he didn't get knocked down in that fight really so i feel like at light heavyweight john doesn't really have a problem with power punchers
1: unless rumble comes back
0: yeah unless rumble
1: because i a lot Rump. of
0: people were bringing up Rumble actually a lot of people thought John should fight Rumble and then whoever wins that should fight John
1: I wouldn't throw Rumble into a John fight straight away he does need a tune yeah. up so I'd maybe Definitely. give him someone like say dare I say go as low down as someone like a like a Kree love someone like that and then if Rumble oh, okay. say wins that one then we're jumping up to a, like a top five opponent and then if he wins gets through that one then the John Jones fight could happen
0: I was thinking like Rumble versus Santos maybe and then the jump fight that'd be a good one
1: the universe would explode if them two fought
0: yeah that'd be a great matchup wouldn't be no takedowns in that one
1: it would remind me of can you remember when Santos fought Jimmy Manoa uh yeah yeah that was a great fight that is one of my favorite insane. fights insane cause that was like my, one of my favorite first rounds I should say cause that's absolutely insane that one
0: yeah you almost got knocked down like the first like 20 seconds of that fight man so yeah that was a great fight definitely something I want to rewatch again
1: and when most fighters you know get rocked the first instinct is some panic wrestle Diego Mm -hmm. Santos tries throwing a spinning back kick
0: (laughs) (laughs) how do you think Santos is gonna fight when he comes back you know he had like a lot of knee surgery so uh, do you think he's gonna be the same fighter after that
1: I am fearful that he's not gonna be the same Because ACLs, especially, are very hard to get over.
0: Didn't he tear, like, both of them or something? He tore both his
1: ACLs and he's still coming forward in that fight. So, I think he's going to be very ginger in his first fight. I'm trying to think what sort of opponent you could give Santos. Because we're going to be looking at another, what, three or four months of recuperation. Plus another three to get into fighting shape. I can maybe possibly see them running a rematch with Anthony Smith, someone of that sort of ilk.
0: Yeah, I was thinking uh, if Jan doesn't fight for the title, I feel like the fight that they should make for him is maybe Jan versus Reyes or the Santos rematch, if they can get Santos ready in time.
1: A lot of people have criticized Light Heavyweight for quite a few years now. I think it's a really compelling division. It's one of the most underrated divisions in the UFC because, yes, everyone looks at John Daunt and how dominant he's been, and they think that the rest of the field doesn't match up. I think we've got some really good quality fighters coming to the fore.
0: Definitely. I feel like uh, you guys just signed uh, Yuri Prohaska. You know who that is?
1: I'm aware of him. Uh, rising champion.
0: Yeah, Ryzen's light heavyweight champion, they signed him after he knocked out CB Dalloway. That will be an amazing debut. I can tell you that. That I can't wait to see him burst onto the scene. I really don't know who you'd give him the fight first, but he will definitely be compelling in that division. I feel like light heavyweight has gotten a lot better in recent years. You got the Reyes coming up, you got the Johnny Walker's, you got the Uries, you know. It's gotten a lot better. Tell you that, definitely.
1: The guy i think to watch out for, I know he just lost in his r- most recent match, Rakic.
0: Yes. That would be a great fight, Rakic and Yuri. They should set that one up.
1: Either him or Volkan.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Isn't it strange how many light heavyweights are European?
0: Yeah, it is quite strange, actually. Big boys down there.
1: And aside from the main event, another big talking point was the core main. Now, this was hyped up as basically one of the biggest meme fights of all time, Diego Sanchez and Michel Pereira. And everyone was saying, all these guys are so manic, they're so crazy, who knows what's going to happen between these two. And what we saw was, I wouldn't say it was a disappointing fight, but a lot of people expected it to be this wild brawl, and credit to Pereira, because he was embarrassed when he fought Tristan Connolly. He just did too many spinning tricks and (coughs) basically had one of the most humiliating losses of the year so he came out a lot more conservative and i in my opinion looked quite good for the first two rounds
0: yeah i feel like uh pierre he should have walked away with that fight he looked incredible i remember there's a video I scrapped a while back called, like, Total Domination MMA. I probably would have put that fight in there if he won that. <laughs> like, he was getting destroyed in that fight, Sanchez, and that that weird defense style that he had, Sanchez, where he... Something like, what the hell was that about?
1: Could you repeat that bit? We um, oh. just cut out a little bit.
0: That uh, defensive stance that Sanchez was doing with his hand out do you remember seeing that? That was quite strange. I don't really know what he was going with that.
1: I just think in general Diego's behaviour over the past couple of uh, weeks has been strange full stop. Like whether it's the arguments with Ariel Helwani or the coaching advice where he was telling them about something about looking to the shadows and they even went to Trevor Whitman to talk about what he thought of the comments from Diego's corner and he was just speechless it was actually you could tell that trevor was concerned with the way that diego was being coached it's it's something we'll talk about in a lot more detail when we get to our main feature but i'm i'm really worried for diego and i think the ufc should be doing the right thing and stopping him from fighting
0: when whitman was talking it reminded me of like sort of like a a father seeing his son get into the wrong crowd he just seemed really disappointed and concerned for diego like he wanted to maybe get off the mic and go and talk to diego in between corners like he just wanted to get him out of there so yeah i feel like diego's in a really bad spot in his career right now
1: yet here he is having won three out of his past four now a lot of controversy over how he got that win it's something the people brought up obviously the most high profile example with Anthony Smith, where the illegal knee was thrown if his opponent got this if he, if he stayed down, his opponent would have got disqualified and would have claimed the win. Smith earned a lot of kudos for realizing there was no merit in winning a fight like that and chose to continue fighting and yet Diego, who's always prided himself on being this big alpha tough guy and Calling out people for taking the easy way out, chose to do so.
0: Well, I believe it's also because um, the doctors and stuff, when they were checking him out, they also said if you don't continue, it'll be a DQ. And right after he said that, his personality changed. <laughs> so you could tell he wanted that DQ. And
1: I don't fault Diego for wanting to take the win. I think anybody, I think most people would, if they give the opportunity. But I just think. When you spoke so much, when you when you're a guy like Diego Sanchez who's prided himself on their toughness, it is disappointing to see him take that option.
0: Definitely, but I really don't really know. Like, what would he do after that? After that illegal strike, like he would have just gone to a decision and lost, you know.
1: And he was done as well, because he took a big shot to the body just before that illegal naysal. Nice oh, spot. yeah. He was nearing the end of that fight.
0: Definitely. That would have been... If it wasn't a knockout, it would have been a clear 10-8 rounds, you know. It wouldn't have been a split decision or anything like that. We wouldn't be talking about the judging in that fight. I can tell
1: you that. Now, would you... Now we did just mention Diego Sanchez there in a little bit more detail during his fight with Michel Pereira. And there was a lot of unusual behaviour from Diego in that fight and in the build to the fight as well. And it brings me on to a big talking point. We'll probably upload this one onto YouTube. Which is should major MMA promotions like the UFC or Bellator, One, Rising, etc. Should they be doing more to help veteran fighters? Because what we started seeing, obviously with Diego Sanchez recently and BJ Penn just a couple of months ago, is that the UFC seemed very reluctant to just cut ties with these fighters. And instead of saying, hey, you should retire, you should maybe go off to your new-, new things for the sake of your own safety, they instead give them more fights and open them up to more danger. And obviously with BJ Penn recently, we had another situation where... DUI, crashed his car, got knocked out by the airbag and it's just yet another example of this sort of tragedy that seems to have befallen Penn over his past couple of years and it's as somebody who loved BJ Penn during 2009-2010 where he was the pound for pound king to see him in this sort of state it's, it's very concerning and I think the UFC should be doing more to help fighters like him or Diego Sanchez
0: yeah, I feel like what they uh should do is maybe put them on their payroll. And if they can't do that cuz if they're cheap obviously, what they should do is maybe set up a um sort of like a program for them. Maybe they could set BJ Penn up and like Dan Hardy's like breakdowns, maybe they could do that. Or they could bring back like UFC, I think it was called like UFC Top 5 or something where they would just bring in some fighters and they would break down like worst decisions in the octagon best knockouts stuff like that maybe they should bring in programs like that for older fighters you know
1: well it was something that the ufc always used to do say back around 2010 2011 because obviously they put people like chuck matthews forrest griffin Mm -hmm. dan hardy put them all on the payroll after their health issues as a way as an incentive a financial incentive to stop them fighting And obviously the new owners came in and saw that people like Chuck and Hughes weren't doing enough to justify their paycheck. But people like Forrest, he started the Performance Institute, Dan Hardy became a commentator. Those guys worked hard and earned their place with the company full-time.
0: Yeah, I feel like you can't really just sit on the sidelines and wait for a check. Like, if you want to be on their payroll, you should, you know, act like you're going to a job. Do what Dan Hardy's doing or... Do what Forrest Griffin's doing. Go to a gym, train other fighters, you know. Make it look like you're doing something. (laughs) Don't just sit at home and wait for a paycheck.
1: Do you have concerns over CTE in the sport? Like, obviously, we've been seeing it with the NFL. It's happened in boxing a couple of times. And maybe I'm somebody who errs on the side of caution. Maybe I'm one of those sort of, like, southern softies that thinks too much about things like this. But... I, I just look at stories like Chris Benoit, and I look at Joe McClellan in boxing, and I just think to myself, if a guy is starting to show signs that maybe mentally they're not in the right place, like maybe Diego is starting to, I think people should be jumping to their aid a little bit faster than what they are. And it's just thing the UFC choosing to give Diego fights, and especially do what they did in the Pereira fight and just basically market it as oh my god these guys are crazy who knows what they're gonna do I I think it's I think it's unsettling and I don't think it's the right approach that a company of this value should be taking
0: sorry what was the question again <laughs> you went on about Diego what was the question
1: uh, the issues of CTA oh yes uh, do you know about Gary Goodridge you looked into him at all he's the most high profile example yeah
0: i, I think feel arguably
1: like... because he is the only major example in mma mm-hmm. that we don't we don't take the threat as seriously as what we do in say the nfl or boxing
0: well i think mma it's not really the same as boxing because it's not all to the head and the body you know there is some grappling work there is some submission work, but I feel like somebody like J- Justin Gaethje, somebody like Diego Sanchez, somebody who gets in those firefights like that, they will be someone who does have to deal with that in the future. But I don't think everybody is gonna have CTE. Like I don't see, I don't see Michael Chiesa having CTE or anything like that. Like some fighters, I could see walking away and going on like Dan Henderson. He, He's still doing good. He doesn't really have any signs of CTE or anything. But you got guys like Vanderlei Silva who says that they're they're losing some memories and stuff as of recent times. Like I believe he didn't get cleared for medicals for a next fight or something like that. They didn't let Vanderlei fight. So it all depends on the fighter, in my opinion.
1: The only thing that makes me defend the UFC in this regard is that if they did say, "Hey, Diego." We can't trust you to do this sort of thing anymore, we're gonna cut you. The one fear I'd have is that the UFC has some of the best medical professionals in the world in this kind of sport. What would stop Diego from going over to a smaller promotion which doesn't have those sort of medical experts and choosing to fight there and actually be putting himself in more danger? I mean he was talking about fighting in uh liftway, which I just think would be madness. Yeah.
0: That would be pure insanity. I don't see that going well for him.
1: And I think that's maybe the same reason why they kept Penn around for so long. Because the UFC, they must have known like all the stuff that BJ was getting up to in Hawaii. And then maybe they just thought, instead of getting him into more of these sort of situations, if we keep him focused and have him training for fights and put his, putting his mind towards something productive... That's going to help as well. So I could maybe see it from that regard with the UFC.
0: Hmm. Okay.
1: But it is concerning. I'm again. Maybe it's my own sort of caution. But I always do worry about fighters' safety, especially when it comes to mental health, because yeah, I've dealt with it before. I know exactly some of the pressures that people undertake, and I would hate to see. A legend of the sport, like a Diego Sanchez or a BJ Penn, becoming this broken figure.
0: Well, I feel like the stoppages have gotten, eh, they've gotten better. Like I'd rather have a stoppage too early than too late, you know. So I feel like in that regard, refereeing for stoppages have gotten a bit better. All depends on the referee, I guess. You know, don't take my word for that, but. I think it's gotten better in terms of mental health and stuff like that. It's definitely gotten better in the UFC at least. I don't know about Ryzen and all that Ryzen, I remember, the Sakakibara. He said that he wanted to set up Manny Pacquiao versus Takanari Gomi at one point. Like that's that's not what you want to do if you're thinking about fighter safety.
1: Good thing you mentioned Manny Pacquiao because, before we get onto the MMA perspective with this weekend's fight card, which. I do think it's very underrated. We'll get into that in a little bit more detail. You touched on it there, boxing. The big boxing fight, the big main event which is happening this weekend, Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder.
0: Yes, that'll be pure insanity. I'm not really, like, the massive boxing fan, but, like, I don't really watch, like, anytime boxing is on, I don't really watch it. But if it's like a big pay-per-view like this, yeah, I'm a casual. I'll watch it. <laughs> I, I always watch Deontay fight. I always watch Fury fight. I always watch Joshua fight. Might watch Ruiz fight next time he fights. That might be interesting. Heavyweight but yeah, boxing I th-
1: has got so much better. I mean, I remember mm-hmm. watching it in the mid-2000s when the Klitschko's were just point fighting every single fighter. Yeah. And- And and when when the media's making a big deal about David Hay potentially being a threat to Vladimir Klitschko, you're just thinking, okay, you're stretching it now. I mean, David Hay was a fantastic cruiserweight, but he was so small as a heavyweight.
0: I believe Manoa wanted to fight uh, David Hay at one point, (laughs) kept on calling for that fight. That would have been a great fight.
1: For about one round.
0: Yeah, for about maybe, like, two minutes.
1: (laughs) 'Cause I mean, Jimmy can hit hard, but Jimmy never had the greatest chin. And I say that as a Brit.
0: Yeah, I think he's coming back. Didn't he say that he wants to come back? Oh no, please! No. I think he tried to get onto the UFC London card or something. But yeah, he said that he wants to come back. He said that he's getting that drive again. So a lot of we'll fighters
1: Because fighters seldom have something which matches up to the adrenaline rush of fighting it's all they know mm-hmm. so they choose to come back so many times
0: yeah Struve did it he put his gloves in the octagon he he came back he fought Ben Rothwell he should have won that fight probably the worst decision he could have had in that fight
1: <laughs> probably the worst outcome but he came back who was the ref that encouraged him to go on I'm right, I'm right saying it was Big Dan
0: yeah it was Dan
1: I don't know what to make of Big Dan, you know, because there's sometimes, you know, where he can get a call absolutely spot on. I mean, Congo versus Barry is the one that sticks in everyone's mind. But more often than not, it just makes these, I think the fight fan takes over and he tries to do what the fans want mm-hmm. when it's not so much, when it should be about what the fighter wants because didn't he hesitate with the Jacare Weidman stoppage as well?
0: Yeah, he did. That's why Jacare was like yelling at him at the end there. You can see in the replay.
1: Getting back to Fury versus Wilder, though, they obviously had the first match in, I think it was, I think I attempted to say December 2018.
0: Yeah, it was It was a while ago. It was definitely a while ago.
1: A lot of people thought that Fury won't, did enough to win on points. Wilder got those two big knockouts. It's the second one especially, you just thought, that's it, he's over. Knocked him out in the final round. And then Fury just channels the Undertaker, just proper... Gets the six, sits up, and just thinks, "Hey, what side? I'm gonna get up now." And yeah, then he that's wins gotta be the greatest the recovery round.
0: I've ever seen. That's gotta be the greatest I've ever seen. Somebody get up from that big of a shot is it insane. It's like he just
1: woke up, <laughs> like something just switched on. He got up, and you could see Wilder's face drop. He's just thinking, "What the hell do I have to do?"
0: Yeah, we'll have to see. I don't really, can't really make a pick on this fight. I feel like maybe Wilder, he might be a bit more aggressive. But Wilder, he always relies on that one shot. Like in that, I believe his last fight against... Who was that? Ortiz Ortiz. or something? Yeah, Ortiz. He waited until like the last round. Like I had Ortiz winning that fight until he got knocked out. So we'll have to see what type of Wilder shows up.
1: Someone posted a comment on Twitter. And I think it sums it up... I can see where they're coming from with this. They describe Deontay Wilder as boxing's Derek Lewis. Yes. Not the most technical, a little bit crude in how he throws, but if he hits you, you're going down.
0: Yeah, without the back issues.
1: (laughs) Mind you, Derek looks so much leaner for his last fight. I think he's really making an effort to try and get over those, although he has been talking about potentially some... He's been describing them as career-threatening. Uh, yeah, I don't know
0: years. what he was talking about there. I thought he was joking at first.
1: I, ho- I hope it's nothing too severe. Because like, Derek Lewis is fantastic entertainment. As a fighter and as a personality, would be a big loss to miss him. Just going back to Fury versus Wilder, though... I think we're going to get something quite similar to the first fight. I think the Fury is going to use his distance well. He's going to try and turn this into a point fight. And I think technically he is fantastic, he's striking defense especially but as mentioned before Wilder just needs one big shot to land and he can knock anyone out and personally I've been looking at Fury recently I think his attention is starting to turn away from the sport obviously he did the mm-hmm. stuff with the WWE he's been teasing the idea of fighting Stipe in MMA and I just think mentally he's sort of, he's preparing the groundworks for his way out the sport
0: yeah, well, if you look at him before he went on that that drug and alcohol binge, he looks like he's like twenty years younger than he does now. Like he looks completely different after he came back. So I feel like that might have taken an edge off of him in terms of his fighting years. Like doing something like that for that long of a time, like drug and alcohol binges, like that will definitely take something out of you.
1: And he put on a truckload of weight.
0: Yeah, he looked huge. But when he came back, he looked incredible. When he fought uh, uh, Wilder for the first time, he looked
1: incredible. As a Brit, I would like Fury to win, and as a sports mm-hmm. fan, I would like Fury to win as well because the prospect of Fury versus Joshua at Wembley as the biggest boxing fight in British history.
0: Oh yeah, that That'd be would huge.
1: be huge. I mean we did Lennox Lewis versus Frank Bruno that's the biggest one we've had so far Mm -hmm. but I mean Fury versus Joshua would just knock it out the park and if them two fought I would favour Fury
0: yeah I would favour Fury in that one But I'm not really, like, a massive boxing fan. Like, I feel like a casual when I talk about boxing, to be honest.
1: (laughs) I mean, I'm not one of those people who just watch random fight nights and just watch these sort of barroom brawls, that sort of thing. But I'm I'm very similar to you. Um, Because as much as we love MMA, boxing is still number one when it comes to British audiences. People will tell you exactly who a Kel Brook or a Carl Froch are. But I think they'll struggle to tell you a Leon Edwards or an MVP.
0: Yeah. Well, I imagine the time is probably better for you guys with boxing. The time that they set on the fights, that's probably better for you, and I assume. Hold,
1: and they hold a lot more big events as well in in the UK, okay. rather for the prime time. So it's rather like, sort of like 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, our time.
0: Yeah, in terms of European MMA, I feel like the ones that are doing it the best right now is probably Bellator. Like UFC, they, their last big event might have been probably Hendo versus Bisping other than that it's just been the second fight obviously other than that it's just been fight nights you know but Bellator I feel like they're putting a bit more effort into it like they set up that MVP versus Daily fight wasn't the best fight obviously but before it happened like everybody was so excited for that fight so I feel like Bellator is putting in the work
1: and in typical Bellator fashion they held that in Oklahoma that wasn't a UK card oh really <laughs> two of the biggest names in British MMA didn't fight in the UK
0: I don't know why I thought that was in the UK my apologies I'm sorry you didn't get that fight <laughs> I Bet the whole UK would have loved to see that grappling match
1: I'm trying to think what did we get instead
0: I know you guys did get a Roy McDonald fight didn't you
1: and I think or something we, I, like that I think we got um, Lovato versus Musasi as well
0: oh okay yeah, see, that's better than the last fight that they held.
1: Because yeah. haven't they got... Isn't there, like, a Dublin card where they've got two women featherweight to a main event team?
0: Yeah, wasn't it supposed to be James Gallagher? And then he pulled out and typical Bellator fashion. They don't get another fight. They just bump up the co-main. <laughs> like, oh, my God.
1: I'll have to look it up now. You, you've intrigued me, to you. Yeah, Bellator Dublin, it's going to be... yeah. I've got the card up here. This is going to be a great radio, isn't it? just me trying to Google. Yes, it's uh, Liam McCourt versus Judith Ruiz. Wow. Liam McCourt, <laughs> who is 3-1, and, and Judith Ruiz, who's 6-4. and four. Wow. And we've also got... Ar- yeah. And also Ivan Chalmers as well. He's going to be fighting as well. And if anybody doesn't know Ivan Ch- Chalmers, he was the star of a British TV show called Geordie Shaw
0: yeah i haven't seen that but i i know that he's from that i've watched like jersey shore that's like the american version that's set in like new jersey i think that was like the original shore show i think that's what set everything off but yeah i've never seen gordy Sh- gordy whatever the guys Jordy. name. Is. i've never seen that yeah geordie i've never seen him
1: <laughs> basically it's jersey shore but they're just talking about getting fucking mortal me like
0: <laughs> man I'd love to watch that I gotta see if I can find it online or something
1: it's an experience it's an experience I'll just put it like that
0: you also got Brent Primus on that card though that's not bad
1: yeah former lightweight champion um, scored mm-hmm. one of the flukiest wins of all time against Michael Chandler
0: yeah and they took forever to set up that rematch like I remember at one point Michael Chandler didn't even want to talk about Brent Primus and I was like come on dude you can win him you beat them easily. Come on, and I think, did. So.
1: I think I did the video. I think twenty seventeen. I did a YouTube video. Where I looked at the biggest upsets of the year, and I included that as my number three. Oh, okay. Uh, I can see was, that. Two was Emmett versus Llamas, and one was Rose versus Joanna.
0: Okay. Rose versus Joanna. That's one of my favorite fights. Love that fight. First, or second, second one, one, not so much, but first one i
1: love see i love both for different reasons obviously the moment of rose just showing this completely different version of herself to shock the world because joanna was seen as unbeatable at that point and then the second fight i actually personally favour the second fight because there was all this intrigue of is joanna going to be the same was it just a fluke from rose's part and mm-hmm. then we have this like five round epic where it was genuinely I had it scored tied going into the final round it's if I redid my list on the greatest women's fights it would probably be my top 5
0: I have to go back and rewatch I barely remember that fight I barely remember I remember Joanna thinking that she won it (laughs) I remember she thought that she won it at the end
1: Apart from Fury versus Wilder, though, the other big thing that's going to be happening this weekend is going to be the fight card in Auckland. And I tell you what, we've been talked about all the big fights which have been coming up. We've also got like Ferguson versus Khabib, Adesanya Romero, Whaley versus Juana. This is up there as one of the potentially one of the most explosive Paul Felder and Dan Hooker. What a good main event that could be!
0: Mm-hmm. Elbow hooker. That'd be a great fight to see. I think. I think hooker might be a bit too much for Felder yeah, I, I love Felder but I feel like hookers might piece him up a little bit but I think it'll be definitely a crazy fight I don't see that fight being boring I don't see how it could be
1: <laughs> well I've had a poll on this fight um, on the YouTube page and they've got it very close it, I think it's 54% favored Dan Hooker I think a lot of people are thinking like of his form recently, some of the big knockout blows. But then on the Felder side people are saying, well, Felder neutralised Edson Barbosa, he got that big win. Whereas Hooker crumbled against Barbosa and maybe sure that he's maybe not at that level yet. I think it's a very really compelling fight because again they both have very aggressive styles, but they've also got strengths which play into the other's weaknesses. 'Cause Felder's gonna make this a dirty clinch battle, he's gonna throw the elbows, Hooker's gonna be a bit more distance based.
0: Yeah, I could see Felder trying to be a bit more scrappier and Hooker trying to keep him at a distance. But my gut just tells me Hooker decision. My gut's telling me that.
1: <laughs> and I think it would I think Hooker has a higher ceiling as well than Paul Felder. Because Felder, I think, is ranked number six in the world right now. And apart from maybe Cowboy, who's maybe on the decline as a fighter, you don't see him beating the Dustin Poiriers or the Connors or the Gageys. With Hooker, you, you can.
0: Yeah. I feel like Hooker, if he... I feel like he'll be here for a while. I don't see him going away for a bit. I think he'll always be in the top definitely top 10 I don't know about top 5 though I feel like he might be around there but I think a great fight if he wins this it should be Hooker versus Poirier exactly if like Poirier can't thinking. get that Diaz fight that he keeps running for
1: I would, I would love to see Hooker versus Poirier and the other thing that yeah. Hooker has on his on his side as well City kickboxing have been an absolute tear recently like Adesanya mm-hmm. and Volkanovski and Hooker trains with them so we as we saw with the Volkanovsky fight, they're gonna trick Volkanovsky versus Holloway, I should say. They're gonna come up with a fantastic game plan to neutralize Felder.
0: Yeah, I feel like it'll be a great a great fight.
1: Well I certainly hope <laughs> I get... so. Because how many times have we said that the fight's gonna be absolutely amazing and then it stinks the joint up?
0: Probably banada versus Madero, so it was the last one we thought of. Uh, that would be a great fight.
1: Sorry, guys. I have to admit, sorry, we did get that one wrong.
0: Yeah, we did, unfortunately.
1: What about the rest of we the card, really... though?
0: The rest of the card? Let uh, I me mean, look here.
1: I mean, you've got, got your, Jimmy Crew. You've got your mix of, obviously, you've got your Australian Kiwi fighters there, a couple of Japanese lads, a couple of Chinese lads as well. But when I weigh this up against UFC 243, Considering that was a pay-per-view, this is a stronger undercard, dare I say.
0: Yeah, I feel like the prelims are a bit better than that one. Unfortunately, Tyson Pedro can't fight, though. I feel like that would be a great fight for him.
1: He's still recovering from uh, blowing out his knee against Shogun, isn't he?
0: Yeah, I believe so. I think they booked that fight prematurely and he had to pull out.
1: Yeah, because Pedro's not on the card. Um, tied to a so he's not there either. So there are a couple of the the regulars when it comes to the Australian cards who aren't competing. But like Jimmy Croach, yes, he did have that slip up in his most recent fight, but decent Australian prospect again, light heavyweight. Um, I'm I'm worried for Carolina against uh, Yan Xiaonan. Uh,
0: yeah, I feel like this will be the fight that defines where Carolina is in her career.
1: I think mentally, Carolina's maybe checking herself out the spot a bit. She's talked about wanting to have a family. I think she's 33 now. And I just look at her most recent performances, especially against Grasso. She got pieced up in that fight. And I just think maybe people, are, people know what to expect from Carolina and they're starting to read onto it. But my big concern is that Yan Xiaonan hits like an absolute tank. She's maybe not the best on the ground, but if she tees off on you, it's it's dangerous going. So I'm I'm a bit concerned for what could happen to Carolina in that fight. In terms of the rest yeah. of the card, like Brad Riddle, he had that great fight with Jimmy Molicky, uh, USC 243. Emil Mech finally back to action, our Norwegian Viking.
0: Oh, really? He's finally back? When was finally back. Fight? He's fighting
1: Jake Matthews as well, the Who's been like a prospect for like the past 200 years, and he's still yeah. only like 25.
0: <laughs> yeah. Got Kai Car- France on the card too.
1: Very entertaining fighter.
0: You got Angela Hill fighting again for like the fourth <laughs> time this
1: month. I want Angela Hill to ch- change her nickname to Cowgirl.
0: Yeah, I just I wanted to sort to of Angela. embrace the fact
1: that she just fights all the time
0: yeah, it's crazy. She doesn't have any injuries or anything. She just goes through a fight, on to the
1: next one, goes through a fight, on to the next one. I wonder if a lot of it's that uh, Muay Thai background, because like, a lot mm-hmm. of Muay Thai fighters, they'll fight three or four times a week. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe it's that sort of approach, and plus as well, she's going to be getting paid for it, she's going to be getting a holiday in New Zealand, so I don't think she's going to be complaining. And I was impressed by her opponent last time as well, Lund- loma Lecumbe, I having that's how we pronounce her name
0: yeah loma Lucumbi. i don't know
1: <laughs> yeah, i thought she i thought she did quite well in her first fight against um i'm tempted to say alexandra albu
0: okay yeah i haven't heard of loma so i'll have to take a close look at this fight
1: yep. i think on the whole i'm i'm more encouraged by this fight card than there was for say UFC 243 which I thought was very that was a one fight card and I think Mm -hmm. it showed when you looked at the undercard but I'm not expecting a classic because I don't think the Australian and New Zealand cards are all that great but we can't turn those up at more MMA Mm
0: -hmm. definitely there's just so much happening that day though We got Horizon you got Deontay Wilder fighting think lfa is the day before like you got a lot happening that day so
1: it's all to see
0: how much i can catch
1: (laughs) it's all starting to come together who are you favoring for the main event we always like to end on this note
0: i'm favoring dan hooker i feel like paul felder he's a great commentary great analyst he's a funny guy never want him to leave the commentary desk i think he's the best newest addition that they put onto the commentary desk other than maybe DC, is good on there. But I think Hooker might be a bit too much for him. Even though I know that Hooker's kind of a dick on social media. But I'm picking Hooker.
1: I wonder if they're starting to test the waters with Felder in regards to. Because as much as we love Joe, you've got to start thinking is Joe going to start having the time to do this all the time? and yeah, a this, lot of that...
0: the time he goes on his podcast sorry a lot of the time he goes on to his podcast and he he says they'd rather just smoke weed and talk about the fights in his podcast room than going to an arena and seeing it but he always shows up for the big pay-per-views so we'll have to see
1: i mentioned that though because i think they're starting to test the waters with felder on the pay-per-views like he's done i think he was at. I think he was a colour commentator for Connor versus Cowboy, and I think he did... I think he did the Jones versus Santos card as well. So I think maybe what they're starting to do is maybe they can go Anik, Felder, and Cruz for the pay-per-views and do DC, Bisping, and Fitzgerald for the fight night. And then the international cards will be Hardy and Gooden.
0: Damn, you got to up. That's perfect. I like Felder on commentary. He likes to bring a nice unique perspective but he doesn't talk about the technique 24 7 like john mccarthy likes to do in bellator likes to allow me to sleep <laughs> Felder there he likes to he's he likes to react to the actual fights instead of just talking about the techniques in the fight if that makes sense like during the conor mcgregor fight when he was doing the elbow strikes he was like get out of here with that what the hell is he doing <laughs> like he's just in awe of what was going on so uh, I like him on commentary. He's good.
1: I don't. I'm not a. I'm not a big John fan as a commentator. But I think the level of disdain that people have for him is, dare I say, maybe a bit harsh. I wouldn't say he's a good commentator, but I've I've heard a lot worse.
0: Yeah, I feel like maybe you should put him on like after the fight scene. And we show that desk with like um. Chael Sonnen yes. and Josh Thompson. I feel like they should put him on there instead. And maybe put Chael Sonnen in commentary or something. You know, maybe switch it up.
1: Because the chill moment for me that sticks out in commentary... And I cover this on... Uh, when I did the worst fights of 2018. He was on commentary when they had that Heather Hardy fight. And, oh, okay. Like he did the whole like hype the fight or bravado thing. And then when the second round happened... And we just saw how sloppy it was... He just called it as it was. He was just like, look, this isn't a good fight. We're just going to be honest with you. This is not good.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I like him on commentary. I feel like Chael Sonnen and Mauro Renault, that would be a great combination. But I haven't heard Mauro on Bellator commentary for a while.
1: He normally does the the bigger cards. Yeah. Like recently, it's been Goldberg. Mm Mm-hmm. I would so like, like
0: Goldberg and Morrow. That'd be a great combination, but I don't think that would really work. They'd both be like both are play play guys.
1: I think you need them <laughs> Yeah, they'd both be yelling. It wouldn't really work. <laughs> I used to love Mike Goldberg, and I still do to an extent, but I think listening to John Anik and then going back to Goldberg makes me realize how limited he was
0: Yeah, I'm one of those people that got into UFC because of Mike Goldberg. Like, it is all over. I love that. I still yell it whenever a big knockout happens. But definitely, he's definitely aged on commentary. I feel like there's definitely better options out there now.
1: I don't think he does. I think the big telling point, because I I study commentary. I actually do a bit of colour commentary for uh, Darlington Football Club in the UK. Oh, okay. And just a bit of a shameless plug there Um and the level of research that you need to do that kind of job is so substantial and that's just yeah. for one game so if you had to cover 12 or 13 fights and know exactly where everybody comes from how they fight it's a hard job and I think that Goldberg especially later on started a half hearted a bit or at least focus on the issues that weren't as important to fight fans Mm -hmm. we don't want to know what Matthews does behind the barn with his brother we want to know (laughs) what Matthews' big strengths are how he likes to get fights to the ground what's his main method of submission etc
0: yeah I could see your point there
1: (laughs) so you're favouring Hooker for the main event
0: yeah I got Hooker in the main event so have I Do you think it'll be a stoppage or do you think it'll be a decision?
1: I'm going to say decision because I think Paul Felder is incredibly hard to finish.
0: Yeah, I don't see Paul Felder getting knocked out. Maybe, maybe a submission, maybe, but... I don't see him giving up and getting a TKO loss. Like, I, don't, I don't see that happening with Felder. He's so tough. That fight with Mike Perry, that's got to be one of the best examples of toughness in a fight. Like He like shattered his arms and everything and he kept on going. It was insane. And
1: he took that fight on short notice. He's a natural mm-hmm. lightweight, fighting a welterweight, and he put on a hell of a show in that fight. I'm just looking through his uh, fight record here. Yes, his only stoppage was a doctor stoppage when he fought uh, Trinaldo.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, don't see him getting finished.
1: (laughs) I think it's going to be a really compelling main event. Hopefully, the rest of the card lives up to it as well because, as I mentioned before, Australian cards are very hit or miss. Let's hope this is one in in the right column and we get ourselves a hell of a show, especially after Rio Rancho proved to be so disappointing.
0: I don't think it was disappointing. I just think it was so all over the place. Yes. like There's just so much things that you could talk about with that guard, like the stoppage with Wood and the Dyson fight and the illegal knees and all that. It's just such a strange guard.
1: What about that blockbuster crowd reaction for Nico Montano?
0: Oh, yeah, that was that was brutal. That was brutal. Did you see Ray Borg said that he would retire if he ever missed weight again? and he missed weight like last weekend like come on
1: he's one of those guys i just don't see ray Borg ever getting over those weight issues
0: yeah i don't really see where ray Borg could i don't really see where he could go from here i don't really see any you know any exciting values from him it's just i don't see him getting another title shot or, getting anywhere close to be honest
1: him versus Sergio Pettis Bellator title
0: yeah I feel like he should go to Bellator to be honest
1: and on that cheery note (laughs) it is time for us to end the show once again Claire it's been an absolute pleasure for you to join me Um, I hope that everybody has enjoyed listening and we're still trying to tweak different things see what works on the show and any sort of feedback that you can give us especially on YouTube or on SoundCloud would be greatly appreciated where we're trying to expand the podcast section of the show. I'm hoping to move into my new studio in about two or three weeks' time. Hopefully, the microphone quality will start getting a little bit better. But until then, my name's been Carl Bainbridge. That's been Clay Richardson.
0: Nice to be
1: here. And thank you very much for joining us. We hope you enjoy Finite Auckland. We'll be back next week where we'll be talking about the Norfolk card Well, we will be crowning Mm -hmm. a new UFC flyweight champion. Bye-bye for now.
0: See ya.